This is LGBT time with Chuck on WERU FM 89.9. This is a youth-led podcast that is produced by OutMain. Dear Chuck is our anonymous article posting where folks can ask questions regarding anything under the LGBTQ plus umbrella for our LGBTQ plus youth and staff to answer. A Dear Chuck question that we got recently says this. Dear Chuck, I have a question that I was hoping you could help support. I have a student in fourth grade who is having a hard time accepting a student who identifies as female but was born male. This fourth grader has had conversations at home with her parents, and due to religion, they do not support this change. This fourth grade student is being outed by her peers for not accepting our female student. What is the best way to support this student and potentially her family? So I think we have um, some some ideas here about how to uh, support this student in this and potentially family um, and even the school system in general that's dealing with this. And I think one way that we talked about being able to support the student is, first of all, acknowledging that bullying of any form isn't isn't what we're wanting for anyone. You know, of course, we want everyone to be accepted, but at the same rate, it's not it's not a reason to be bullying other people. We know that that is harmful on many degrees, no matter what your identity is. So first of all, addressing like this issue with bullying. Who's else, who else got some thoughts? All right, take it away, Alfie. I think that it's really important to recognize that when you try to educate, especially a child, on trans issues, it's really easy to accidentally center trans suffering in that, like showing them kids' books about a kid who is not being accepted by their peers and how they overcome that rather than just showing them stories about trans people being normal people and living normal lives. And it it creates this us and them mentality that you don't want kids to be having when they're so young. And if they see that other trans student as fundamentally different, it's not going to matter how much education you give them because they still don't see themselves as the same as the other kid and will still be bullied by everyone else for not accepting them. I don't know, gentle, gentle reinforcement about the fact that there's nothing actually different about that kid besides the way that their parents and themselves are seeing them. Yeah, I really like that, Elfie. I think that last statement you made about, you know, saying that that there's nothing different about that child and just being able to do like some subtle education um, is, is really awesome. Aiden, give some input. I would also just maybe have a conversation with the kid that's being bullied and see if they have like willingness to try to like change and use the right names or pronouns. Um, And then if they do like work with them on trying to like make those changes slowly and if they like mess up or use the wrong name or pronouns, just like keep providing ongoing education and support for them in school as well, because everyone deserves an education. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. No one should be unable to receive like the core of, you know, what they're needing at that age. They said what for fourth grade. So, I mean, fourth grade is like almost in that transition time to middle school. And I think that if that continues, it could be a really negative thing for that individual. Lou, what is your input? I just wanted to say that it might be a good idea to talk with the student the transgender student and about how they're feeling about this situation, but definitely don't center that student or, or feel like that shouldn't, that student shouldn't be expected to educate or, or play a role in this 
um, situation just because it's their identity that is causing the issue doesn't mean that they need to have any role in education or the conversation around this other student. It can be helpful. And if they feel like that's something that they want to do, that's okay. But just staff and the other students should be aware that it's not going to become the responsibility of this, this fourth grader to educate their peers. Absolutely. And I think we've I think we've even talked about this in other Dear Chuck questions that we've done is that like, it's never, it's never this individual's responsibility to defend like who they are. I mean, if they're, if they're wanting to, then they can, but it's never their responsibility. It should never be put all on them to, you know, be the one educating and doing these things. Um, it's really going to be the support around that individual, the allies, the teachers in this case, maybe the parents, if they're involved, you know, whatever the case may be. And I think having more representation of various identities is something we covered a little bit, but really having this other, you know, piece of education just surrounding this fourth grade student who's really, who's being bullied, uh, but also helping the student to just learn and form their own opinions on the matter, I think is going to be really important. Alfie, go right ahead. Yeah, to kind of piggyback on that a little bit, something like group mini lesson in the classroom about understanding your own identity and how to share that with the world, you know, like even just coloring page where you, you know, dress up a person how you want to look to your friends or anything like that to make it less outrageous to this kid that some people might have experiences outside of their idea of gender and kind of break that down in the classroom rather than leaving it to this student and their parents to kind of figure out on their own, giving them a little bit of support that isn't necessarily like trans is good and what you're doing is bad, but rather like all identities are good and we just need to accept everybody as a whole for who they are. Absolutely. And I think there is this other piece about talking to the other classmates that are bullying this individual about clarifying why they maybe are having these feelings towards that individual. It's not just a, we don't like you. It's a, we're upset that you're not accepting this student. Um, And I think clarifying that to say like, it's not that they hate this individual or maybe, I mean, maybe they do, we don't know, but you know, their opinions are formed based off the fact that they are accepting this other individual and are upset that their, their other peer is not. And I think that becomes a tricky balance. Go right ahead, Aiden. Um, I also think it's important to like have a conversation with the students to remind them like, you know, everyone comes from different homes and they have different values, which are then also different than what's upheld at school. Like at school, we have respect for people and we treat each other fairly and equally. Um, so having those conversations with the students as well, of like this, this might be your values and the way you act at home, but these are the rules at school and this is how we treat people. And go ahead, Lou. What do you think? Yeah, it's sort of tangential, but also just having different uh, um, identities or diversity in school resources, so books or posters or conversations would be helpful potentially to, obviously to the whole student body, but to this individual who isn't accepting, just having more exposure to other types of people is always going to be beneficial and could help maybe them form their own opinions and become more accepting. So I have a question for you all. What do we think the the school's role in this is? Like, what should the school be doing? 
I think the school should be doing a whole laundry list of things here. But primarily, I think, of course, giving educational materials to especially the parents of students who share a classroom with this transgender student, because we want everybody to be respectful and not just the one kid that we know who isn't being respectful, as well as just uh, giving these kids tools to manage conflict resolution, because some students will be taught those things in school because they have behavioral issues and other kids are just kind of left to learn it on their own. And I think teaching them how to have hard conversations about things that they disagree on with each other in a way that is beneficial to them would be really important here because they could learn how to manage their feelings here a little bit more on their own without having to be led to what's necessarily like the right decision in the teacher's mind. They can figure out how they feel about something and hurt other kids less, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense, Alfie. Thank you for that. Any other thoughts on what maybe the school system should be doing to help maybe either prevent this kind of thing or like mitigate what the issue has become now? Yeah, Lou. Um, Going off what Alfie said earlier, I think having a classroom conversation about why bullying is never okay, um, regardless of who is being bullied, and then uh, more of an open-ended conversation about diversity and accepting all of our classmates would be beneficial in this situation. Absolutely. Alfie, go right ahead. I also want to just swing back and add a little bit more um, pressure to when Lou said just general diversity throughout the school. Like, for example, if the only place I'm going to see a poster in your entire school that has a disabled person in a wheelchair on it is near one of your only accessible restrooms, you're doing something wrong. And it's the same for queer representation. You know, having kids that look gender non-conforming on educational posters throughout the school, whether they be about um, gender and sexuality or not, but having diversity in the school before the age that a lot of a lot more children are going to be unpacking their identities will be really beneficial because they'll both already understand themselves better because they'll have seen more things that they can potentially relate to and also will have more ways to explain their experience and um, they won't feel like there's something wrong with them because they haven't met other kids that feel the same way they do you know and that can prevent a lot of tension between kids when they're figuring themselves out. Yeah, there is uh, certainly a lot to be said about that representation in schools. I mean, can you imagine if when you were in elementary school, it's I mean, you can't oh, wait, you can't tell someone's gender identity specifically just, you know, based off of posters. But I think just showing varying uh, ways of and different people on these and it's and it's not even just, I think, something that pertains to like um, gender and like sexuality or anything like that. It's like even people of color and other, you know, ranging ethnicities that, you know, can be on there because we know, you know, we live in a very, a state that is filled with a lot of white people. And so, you know, there's like more to that. And I think that could be really unpacked in school systems in general. And maybe there's a process for that. Maybe there isn't, but I think that that's definitely something, one really big thing that the school could do to help out. Oh, Aiden, go right ahead. Yeah, one other thing that Lou kind of touched upon earlier that the school could do too would be like having more 
LGBTQ plus or even just like racial diversity, like curricula of like different class activities and stuff. And then also having like books in the library of different gender identities and sexual orientations and races and disabilities and all that kind of stuff. Just so students have the ability to like learn about all these different aspects of people. Yeah. And it's something I think we think is super easy, right? You know, just put a poster on the wall, right? But, you know, put gender neutral bathroom signs up, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be, but it is not so apparent to, to every school system or every home around. And so I think that makes it a little bit difficult sometimes when you do on, like identify under this LGBTQ plus umbrella of like, whoa, it's so simple. Um, but there's a lot of people that are really far removed from that world unfortunately. And so we kind of got to get them in our world <laughs> to, to make sure that we can continue doing what we do to support LGBTQ plus youth. So we talked about what we can do to support the or what the school could do to support this individual. What other um, things do you think could be a good support system for this fourth grade um, trans student who is now kind of like caught in the middle of this giant web of of chaos that's happening at school, unfortunately. What do we think? That might have been a loaded question, but Albie, go right ahead. Of course, we don't know what the exact situation is with these students, but I do know that there were some situations when I was in school, especially um, when I was a lot younger, like I'm talking sixth grade maybe, so pretty close to this kid. Of course, they're younger, obviously. It's a different thing. But kids would purposefully egg stuff like that on sort of as a way to like fight back against the people who aren't being accepting. So I think making sure that none of these students are, you know, rooting for this conflict to go on, but rather to resolve it. Because like I said, sometimes kids will just be so mad that somebody doesn't understand it the way that they do and aren't being as accepting that they would rather fight with them than actually educate them and resolve the problem because they're busy being angry and it's okay to be angry, but giving, giving that kid another outlet for that anger that isn't ganging up on that student with a whole bunch of their friends would be useful, you know? Absolutely. Does anyone have any other thoughts about this uh, Dear Chuck question this week? I think this one, like I said, was a little bit outside of our typical our typical comfort zone here yeah healthy just one last thing because um i'm realizing i haven't mentioned it yet but better better education on queer and trans issues with for both the staff and parents of course it's most likely going to be optional and the parents who really need it are going to miss out but it's it's still worth it you know to to have trainings like that um, available to your community because some people just don't have access to the right resources. Yeah, Lou, add whatever feels right. I was just going to hop on that. It's also, you know, it would be extremely beneficial, maybe not super related to this particular question, but for an inclusive and representative sex ed curriculum is also just always important and necessary. So yeah, definitely trainings and, and things that can help the adults in the situation, but also just making sure that we educate our youth properly and, and in a healthy way about sex ed and inclusive, inclusive sex ed. Yeah. And aren't we so lucky that out Maine does all those things, right? That's my shameless plug. 
we love August, our training coordinator, um, who is doing so many amazing trainings for schools all over the state and help. And, you know, they're really helping people understand and, you know, giving this like proper education that should have been done from the beginning. But uh, is in this case, it sounds like the school could benefit from that really, really greatly. Um, I love this idea, Lou, of like this queer sex ed piece, because I think it's so desperately needed. So thanks. That's a really good point, even though it, like you said, it could be every school could really benefit from this. But it sounds like while this is fourth grade, I think there's still some sort of conversation happening at that age. And at least that what I remember in health class, like something is happening in those classes, whether it's about puberty or your body changing and how you might not like the way your body is changing um, and how that might feel really uncomfortable for you. So awesome. Thank you so much. Alfie, Aiden, and Lou for participating in our Deer Chuck question today. I think this is a lot of great information um, for this individual, and I hope that this is helpful for others who might be going through something like this in their school system or in their community. All right, next up, I wanted to talk a little bit more about queer history and that importance that um, that it kind of holds for youth and just people in general. So I was wondering, Alfie, if you would uh, want to take it away. Yeah, um, I, I think it's really important to recognize that a lot of people nowadays still think that being queer and being trans is somewhat a new thing or some kind of fad or trend. And when, when kids aren't equipped with the knowledge that this is something that's been around since long before their parents were around, they're not going to understand that the people around them aren't just going crazy or participating in some ridiculous trend like eating Tide Pods and actually take it seriously. (laughs) They're going to just assume that younger people are changing things. And a a lot of adults will teach their kids that anything new is wrong. So a good place to start is by showing kids that it's not even a new thing and people like us have been around forever and it used to be normal <laughs> in a lot of places but yeah that's that's one thing <laughs> okay so alfie how do you think that teachers or educators could make more of an emphasis on this in school systems well for one thing history classes need to include history of people other than just like white middle class and rich Americans, because most of us don't fit in that category, at least in in this area, we don't. And people need to be exposed to the history of the regular working class individual who maybe necessarily didn't fit into any of these class bubbles that we have going on, like um, women where skirts that go past their knees and all of that stuff, you know, Um, all of the gender and sexuality roles that we have assigned, they circle around the idea of the white, like nuclear family and kids shouldn't be trying to fit into that. So that shouldn't be the only history that we're teaching them. Does that make sense? Yeah, it definitely does. I think you have a really good point. I think the advertisement and kind of like what's seen in schools is a lot of, like you said, like those nuclear families, like there's a mom and a dad and, you know, kids and stuff like that. But I, I think, you know, ex- more exposure to other 
you know, varieties of family structures would be super important. And that could include not even just history, but if you think um, like advertisement in schools and things like that would be like super amazing. So I definitely think that would be great. Alfie, do you like, who are some people that have, you know, made an impact in history that you think should just be included in that kind of curriculum? Ooh, um, okay. This is one of my favorite historical figures to bring up. I'm pretty sure I've brought him up in one of these podcasts before. May not have, it may have just been a regular meeting, but um, I, Bayard Rustin, Bayard Rustin, I think I might be saying his name wrong, but every single time that we would talk about the civil rights era in school, I would be sitting there with my fingers crossed, just waiting for him to be brought up. And he never was. And he really, really should have been. A lot of people from that era even referred to him as a mentor or someone that they looked to for guidance. And then he's like, nobody even knows his name because he was queer. And I think that that's really unfair. I remember once I spent like 20 minutes, uh, like half of a history class period, um, because none of the kids in my classroom knew what Stonewall was. And my teacher let me just go off. And that's really sad because that's such a huge historical event. Like even most of the queer kids that I know don't know what actually started Stonewall. You know, they think it's throwing bricks, not the laws that people were being punished by. You know, it's I don't know. I, I could talk for hours about this, but. I'm also talking in circles. <laughs> Do you want to tell us a little bit more about Stonewall or more specifically, um, is it Bayard or Bayard Rustin? Um, if you want to tell us a little bit more about what they did and what you think or what you've learned about that individual. Honestly, I think that he's a really fun person to research. Um, you can go down a little bit of a rabbit hole. So I just want to give a little tiny tidbit that um, MLK Jr. actually really looked up to him and um, they, they worked together on a lot of things. And so a lot of the stuff that you learned about in school with um, MLK being at the forefront of, if you dig a little bit more into those events, a lot of times you'll find other people like Bayard Rustin um, and he's, he took part in a lot of them. So researching those events deeper and finding um, other historical <laughs> individuals that were involved is a really good place to start. Like learning how activists and organizers interacted with each other throughout, like the duration of the civil rights movement is one, <laughs> one thing, but just in general, um, seeing the way that the dynamic between different activists changes, like how they're organizing in their environments. I don't know. I, I think that I'm going on a tangent that doesn't make any sense, but... Um, <laughs> I think starting with that era in general and just researching some of the bigger events that you already know about to find smaller ones that you don't. Do you know what I mean? But it's it's a good thing to, to research on your own. I think just hearing about things like this, it's really easy to just let it roll off of your back. Do you know what I mean? But I, I don't know. I think researching things that you were taught about in school regarding civil rights is a good way to um, rewrite everything you've ever known about history but <laughs> yeah I, I think I think that makes a lot of sense Elfie thank you so much I feel like a, a lot of what we could be doing is rewriting the entire uh histor history curriculum <laughs> um essentially to 
include, you know, all of these really important people, um, especially, you know, ones that had an impact for the LGBTQ plus community, as we are trying to encourage schools to be, you know, just, you know, creating like that affirming and inclusive environment for everyone. So last up, Alfie, do you want to tell us some ways to get that info? Like, do you have any podcast recommendations, movies, YouTube, um, you know, YouTube people or anyone like that, that you know of that is a good resource? I honestly do most of of my research for things like this from looking into people's like personal projects and then I'll find like the sources that they're citing and (laughs) just go down rabbit holes if that makes sense. But one of my favorite places to start with things like this is looking for student papers, projects like that. And like I said, um, going into their work cited because like for one thing, there are a lot of things that you can access as a student that are like behind a paywall. and it's a good way to find stuff like that. But I don't I don't really have any like go-to sources besides just like books. <laughs> you know, if I can find a book written about an event, I'm gonna find it and read the whole thing. Awesome. Thanks, Alfie. Lou, wanna give some insight here? I can't pass it up. I have to bring up History is Gay every time. It's a podcast. It's amazing. It covers this exactly. It goes all the way throughout the entirety of history from ancient China to Sappho, the origin of Sapphic, the Greek poet, Greek society in general, very queer, ancient medieval history, lots of queer people, especially in the church, into modern times, and Bayard Rustin, and the public universal friend, and it's just will never not be the best podcast. History is gay. Please, everyone listen to this. It is the best research. Perfect. Well, you heard it here. Uh, uh, history is gay definitely another podcast a tale off of ours so there you go thanks everyone as some of you may know we do have one of our events happening for out mean pretty soon um april 29th um 30th and may 1st is our first weekend getaway kind of retreat for the first time since 2019, which is absolutely amazing. And it's something we're really super excited about. We have over 200 youth registered for this event, um, which is crazy numbers. And we had to even, you know, put a wait list on it. So we're super excited. And with that being said, we are looking for some clothing items to be donated to our boutique. Um, Our boutique is uh, like formal wear that the youth get to wear and then to keep. And that is for our rainbow ball prom, which happened, takes place on Saturday night of our weekend event. Um, right now, we're still currently looking f- exclusively for jackets and ties, vests, like dress pants or slacks. Um, we're looking for any heels or flats, larger sizes, ex- especially. Um, we're still looking for some boots and men's dress shoes, any jewelry or accessories, makeup, makeup applicators. Um, you know, because we want to be extra safe with COVID, uh, facial wipes, new and unopened only for those. Um, and then we also appreciate any donations that anyone might have for socks and underwear. Of course, those new and unopened, uh, but shirts, jackets and pants that are in good condition and in, te- in styles that teens like or any shoes in good condition. If you have any of those items and you'd like to coordinate a 
drop off or anything like that, you can look on our website for, for some more information, or you can send um, me an email at maura at outmain.org. And we would be happy to coordinate something to pick those up. You have been listening to Out Maine's youth-led podcast, LGBT Time with Chuck on WERU-FM 89.9.